Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. I've been doing film reviews since 1996. You can read them all at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I also encourage you to check out the other podcast that I do that covers films of the 1980s. It's called Around the World in 80s Movies, and you can find the link to that at the website, quipster.net. Today, I'm going to be getting into the latest film from Pixar. It's called Soul. It is a PG-rated film. It does have thematic elements and some language. The runtime is an hour and 40-ish minutes. Well, the credits really seem to last <laughs> like 15 minutes of that. The cast includes a lot of vocal talent, including Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga, and many others. The director is Pete Docter, and Kemp Powers gets co-director credit. The screenplay credited to Docter and Powers, along with Mike Jones. Now, Jamie Foxx here is voicing the main character, Joe Gardner. Joe is a middle-aged music teacher at this public middle school in New York, and he's frustrated. He has had a lack of success toward becoming what he really wants to be in life, which is a professional jazz club musician. Joe's offered full-time status with the school on the same day that another door of opportunity opens. This former student of his mentions that there's this legendary jazz saxophonist named Dorothea Williams who's auditioning for a new pianist in her jazz ensemble. He comes in, he nails the audition. Joe is exuberant at finally living his dream, so much so that he fails to notice there's this open manhole out in the street before he falls into it. He next finds himself completely disassociated with his body, He's in an afterlife existence. He's a soul waiting for his final destination, dubbed the Great Beyond. Now, Joe has dreams that are unfulfilled, and he desperately wants his life back, just when it's beginning to cook up where he thinks it's supposed to go. He escapes his fate by posing as this mentor for new souls in this pre-life training area called the Great Before. And Joe's assignment there is to direct a soul called 22 to find her spark that will keep her happy and productive before assuming her role in a human body in the living world. However, 22 seems to be a special case. She's spent eons avoiding this process under other mentors. Even Mother Teresa, who was assigned to her, lost her cool. When Terry, this accountant for souls, notices that one soul is missing, she pursues Joe after he escapes back to Earth to try to regain his life. That's the basic setup. I won't go into too many spoilers for what happens to the rest of the film. Now, Soul was four years in the making, and it happens to be set more in the real world than other Pixar efforts, although it does still explore fantasy realms and the afterlife and the pre-life experiences. These souls find their essences before going into the world, and then they return once their journey is complete. Pete Docter, the director and co-writer, he solidifies his reputation as the driving force behind Pixar's most conceptually imaginative films. He has not missed a beat so far in his career. Fan favorites like Monsters, Inc. and Up and Inside Out were made by him, and they rank among the very best films in the last 20 years, whether they're animated or not. You can add soul to that list of exceptionally creative films with resonant and inspiring themes. Now, Soul here is similar to Doctor's other works in many respects. You have character motivations. They're governed through this unseen, highly mechanized system of governance for 
who these characters are and why they are how they are. Soul is less concerned with finding life's meaning and more about finding contentment. It also asserts that one can spend their life discontent and regret what it's not rather than appreciating what it is, which is a gift. The seed of inspiration began for Dr. For making soul after he started wondering what the point of the rest of his life was after he achieved what he feels is his dream, which was becoming an animator. Was there some other reason that he's here on Earth that he's unaware of? Is he just here to do more animation, or is there just no real goal for the rest of his life at all? And this fueled Doctor's midlife crisis. He started struggling between feelings of having no discernible goals or maybe that he had lost his passion once he achieved his goal and he would never get that back. Doctor also wondered if souls come with some sort of codes that map out how every person's going to be throughout life. He thought of his two daughters and how they seemed to have ready-made personalities when they were first born. One came out bubbly and anxious, the other came out calm and patient, and both daughters, they're very different from each other despite the same parents and similar prenatal care. And now that those daughters have grown up, they're adults now, they still seem to maintain those same dispositions that they had on day one as if all of this were ingrained into their souls from a time before they were born. So Doctor used that to observe that many people talk about the afterlife, also known as the great beyond, but not really where souls originate. He mused, what if there is a great before? What if our souls existed in this place where they're imprinted with the things that will give us a personality and that spark that carries us throughout the rest of our lives before we're born. Doctor combined this idea of this great before with this feeling that he had of being somebody who didn't know his reason for existence, and he crafted this scenario in which a new soul chooses not to go to Earth from the great before because it can't seem to find what it is that will give it its spark. And from there, Doctor thought... What if such a soul could eventually learn about why life is worth living if it could connect with another soul that had been on Earth and was about to head to the great beyond? If that old soul could show the new soul moments of its life that had meaning, then this new soul would learn and be ready to take on the beautiful and wonderful world ahead. And that's when Doctor realized that he had the makings of a story. So to bring this story to life, so to speak, the animators, they had to determine what these souls would look like. And they researched what many groups, past and present, believed about souls. They found that many cultures describe souls as somewhat formless, kind of like a vapor. So Pixar's animators decided to make these souls look like some sort of shadow of light instead of of darkness, but with facial expressions that would give them distinction so that we could tell them one from another. And they based the look on what is the lightest material on Earth that still has a solid shape, and that's aerogel, which is something that's used in the aerospace industry. Now, obviously, a lot of people, different groups are going to read into this film a little more than others. Subjects like life before birth or life after death are very hotly contested among many groups of people, and they can be controversial. So Pixar, they tread here a very fine line trying to avoid statements one way or another about this very touchy subject. They discussed with religious leaders, some shamans, some yogi, some spiritual teachers, where they believe that souls come from and what happens to them after passing through this mortal plane. And the best way that they did this was by making a pre-life and post-life experience different from what 
these accounts have been, and not to try to pin down these concepts to any specific religion or ethnicity or culture. They also inspected pictures from the world's fairs that took place in the mid-20th century to try to inspire how things should look for mesmerizing structures and abstract designs within the soul plane. Now, early drafts of soul were set almost entirely within the soul plane. 22, at that time, was the main character, and Joe was meant to be a supporting player. He was, at that time, not a black jazz pianist, as he is in the film, but at that time, he was more of a a white animator. Doctor felt that this may be a little bit too inside baseball for him, so they decided to change Joe's occupation from an animator to a struggling actor who will get his break starring in a Broadway show of Death of a Salesman. Now, Doctor still was not satisfied with this angle. He felt that there still needed to be something more, so he started mulling over other occupations that they could make Joe a businessman, a scientist, and eventually they stumbled onto this advertisement that they saw for this online master music class that was promoted by jazz legend Herbie Hancock, and suddenly things clicked. Jazz musicians, they happen to be a group of people who spend their lives pursuing a passion instead of something that will just bring them money. They do it for the love. So to capture this best, Dr. felt that Joe would have to be a black man because the kind of jazz that exemplified this metaphor best came from the improvisational black music community in the United States. However, Dr. being a white man was reticent to write from a black man's perspective, especially on issues of race, because he feared that he would put his foot in his mouth and maybe offend a few people. So he determined to seek advice from members of the black community to try to make Joe speak more from a place of authenticity. So Pixar brought in many experts to consult on jazz music, on black culture. They consulted Herbie Hancock. They consulted other jazz musicians, including others in hip hop too, Questlove and David Diggs, who also provide some voice work for the movie. For Joe's characterization and his dialogue, they hired African-American playwright and screenwriter Kemp Powers to come in to co-write as well as be the co-director. Powers here imbued a lot of Joe's personality with his own experiences, including they had similar backgrounds, they're both into creative occupations, life experiences, the same age, etc. Now, the first grips had Joe showing 22 about his life in the Hall of You, where one talky scene after another displays various moments of Joe's life. Dr. Empowers, along with their co-writer Mike Jones, felt that to make the pitch to 22 compelling for the viewing audiences, we need to witness Joe's life on Earth firsthand, and that meant, effectively, making Joe the main character instead of 22. Powers developed Joe's Earth existence. He wrote in a barbershop scene, and, and that's because he stressed that in many African-American communities, the barbershop was a great source of conversation and connection with other members of the community. Mike Jones came up with the idea of having Joe and 22 come to Earth and then throw in this body swap element where 22 is in Joe's body and then Joe is in the body of his hospital's therapy cat. And that's because they wanted 22 to experience Joe's life through his eyes, while Joe can observe himself through the perspective of an outsider and see it completely differently than he had been his entire life. 
They cast Jamie Foxx as Joe, not only because he's a fine actor, but he's also an accomplished pianist and singer as well, and he knows about the enduring power of music. He also brings a great deal of energy and exuberance to his performance in the film. Tina Fey makes a very solid counterbalance to Foxx. Her character turns around the way that Joe looks at things to gain a different perspective to what he had known all his life, and Faye also contributed to the writing of her character's dialogue, making it funnier and punchier as well. Now, Doctor and producer Dana Murray, they talked about differentiating the look of these characters from other Pixar films. Their designs were partially inspired by illustrator Ronald Searle, who drew humans with very stocky bodies and thin limbs. They also drew stylistic inspiration from such things as the covers of jazz albums of the 1960s. The counselors of this film have this very abstract style, and that's because they were supposed to represent the universe, dumbing itself down to be comprehended by the souls around them, and I guess by us in the viewing audience as well. Now, for the look of the before life and the afterlife environments, they studied the works of Famous artists like Alexander Calder and Henri Matisse and Pablo Picasso, and also a lot of modern sculptures. Although the character shapes and the astral designs are very exaggerated, everything else on Earth looks gorgeously photorealistic. From the vehicles to the buildings to the musical instruments, it's a very good contrast between the astral plane and the Earth plane. Now, Soul is somewhat heavy, as you can imagine, on philosophy, on spirituality. It does have a very dense and sophisticated, very layered plot. All ages, I do think, can enjoy it, but I do think that some subject matter might go over the heads of many children and some adults as well. Those in tune with these layers of emotional complexity might find it still a rewarding experience. Kids can get it, and adults as well, but they have to be very in tune with the kind of plight of these characters in this film. Simultaneously, I do think that some may require multiple viewings to appreciate the message that Soul delivers on appreciating life. It's a bit like jazz in that way, maybe not resonating with people on first listen, but it's something that you can appreciate over time as you get more exposure to it. And over the course of one's life, as you look back at what you perceive as your failures, and you realize that, well, maybe those are blessings in disguise, especially as you see them through another person's eyes, you gain the maturity that Doctor and the others are trying to describe in Soul. The jazz music in Soul is fantastic. The treatment of the style, the scene, very authentic to the art form and the culture. John Batiste, he's a jazz pianist, mostly known, at least to me, as the band leader for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He provides the jazz side of things. Batiste was also used for capturing the finger movements of Joe on the piano so that everything would look very real. It also has a very ambitious electronic score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Reznor says he particularly related to how Joe feels throughout this movie, always thinking of himself as some sort of failure, at least early on, because he hadn't yet played music to a stadium of fans, even though he had a lot of great success by that point. Soul, I do think, is a very highly imaginative adventure. It's a clever comedy. It's a thoughtful meditation on life. It's done with great emotion, humor, grace, and care. It does delve into weighty subjects with an easygoing tone. And the film also serves as a gentle reminder to parents that children don't need to be shoehorned into the, any kind of specific career to be considered a success. In addition to this artist's journey to find fulfillment, Others have become lost souls by doing jobs that make them money but provide no real meaning to them, no sustenance. Their minds start to drift, and it takes them to that astral plane where their souls roam the desert in search of purpose again, and hopefully they find it. 
Now, Sol does end on a hopeful note, an encouragement really to all of us to appreciate the life that we're given every day. Like the music genre of jazz, where musicians take whatever they're given and then they improvise something beautiful out of it, Soul, as the film, puts forward this message that we should make beauty out of whatever life has to give us. And that's the ultimate message. After this, Docker, he really plans to stop directing, which is kind of a loss to us, but now he's going to be a guiding force on other Pixar projects. And I guess that leaves us to wonder whether he, like Joe, is going to maintain that spark as a mentor instead of being the one who plays all the notes. As far as what I'm going to give overall to Soul, I really, really enjoyed the movie. It's a borderline call between three and a half stars and four stars, and what I typically do on a borderline call is to give it the lower of the two grades on a first-time watch, so I will give it three and a half stars out of four, which does mean I feel that Soul is a good film and definitely worth seeing if any of what I talked about here sounds of appeal to you. I do think since it's appearing on Disney Plus right now, If you happen to have that service, it's almost, I think, a must-watch to at least give it a try. If you don't have it and you really want to watch this, you can probably subscribe at least for a month. Maybe they have a trial period and you can just catch this. But I do think that Soul is definitely worth your time to explore. So three and a half stars out of four for Soul. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on Soul that you want to impart to me, you can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Links to my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my Instagram. Emails, perhaps the best way to get in touch with me. So please write to me if you feel so compelled. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and please enjoy your time. Anytime you get to watch a movie out in the theater, or if you're just watching a movie at home because of the pandemic, you get to catch a a film that's as excellent as Soul in the comfort of your own abode. (laughs) 